Hey everybody, you're listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today, we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. Well, as we are ending our series, here we are, week seven of a series that we have been calling. Everybody say Legacy Faith. So we started with Legacy Faith, and then we went to Baby Faith, and then we went to Maybe Faith, and then we went to Waiting Faith. That's the tricky one because it doesn't have the Y in it. And then we went to Wavy Faith, and then Pastor H last week did Lazy Faith. Now, who thinks they can guess what today's going to be? Crazy faith? Crazy faith? No, no. It does fit. It does fit. Well, I'll tell you in just a moment. Let's read from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And today I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd Followed him, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, and uh, if I short form it to Bart for today, it's just to help me. Other than you know, I'm so a, a blind beggar named Bart was sitting beside the road. When Bart heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, "Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me!" Be quiet! Many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, "Son of David, have mercy on me!" When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat. He jumped up and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Now, there were so many more weeks that I wanted to get into into this series, but today we are going to focus and we are going to end our series with what we're going to call stating faith. Everybody say, stating faith. Now, I have two kids, and there's going to be a picture that comes up. I have two kids, Charlie and London. They are eight and seven. My daughter's eight, and my son is seven. This is their first day of school this year. Uh, my son has lost half of those teeth since this picture was taken. Uh, but there they are. Charlie, my daughter, is eight. London, my son, is seven. They're about to turn uh, nine and eight. I can't believe that it's been that long. Time flies. They are growing up so fast. I love my kids. Uh, my son yesterday was here at Conestoga College doing, uh, playing two basketball games. And uh, if, if you've ever met my son, my son is a hardcore athlete. And uh, a lot of times he's been placed on a lot of teams that don't have any athletes on them. And so he gets very frustrated. But I love my son. At least he's expressive in what he, uh, you know, has passion for. Uh, But my kids, when they were growing up, how many know if you have kids, if you have kids in here, raise your hand. Or you've been through kids and now they're out of the house. At some point we've all seen kids or we've had kids. And how many know that when a child needs something, they, what, cry. 
they whine. The way that they communicate for a lot of times when they're younger, when they want food, they cry. When they're upset, they cry. When they don't get what they want, they cry. When they're with daddy, but they want mommy, they cry. See, baby, baby's uh, form of communication is very limited. But as my kids got older, they would start to point. They would start to point at things. They would start to make motion to things or make noises to signify that they were wanting something. Now, children, as they grow up, are in the process of learning how to control their mouth and to make syllables and to use their mouth to form syllables and to form words. Now, in 2023, parents have uh, come a long way uh, since even I had kids eight and nine years ago. Parents have come a long way. We have invented new ways of communication. Uh, we tend today to do sign language. Come on, there are some parents that teach their kids sign language before they are able to communicate, and I'm all for that. I think it's so amazing, but as long as they're not doing sign language when they're seven because you never taught them how to say a word. But we teach them sign language. We teach them simple phrases. Poo-poo. Susu. Juice. Baba. Come on, these are all words that our kids learn and that we teach our kids to communicate what they are trying to receive. Now, we often know exactly what they're trying to say before they even say it. But as we're training them and as we're trying to get them to form these words and form these phrases, we want them to say it even though we already know. We want them to say it before we give it to them because that's a part of the training. But I believe that's how God is trying to parent us a lot of times. He's omniscient. He already knows what we want. He already knows what we need before we even say a word. But he still wants to hear from us. He still wants to hear from us, even though he already knows. Even though he already understands. Now, as our kids are growing up, we would hope that they don't communicate and that they mature to, this, uh, to a new place, that they don't communicate the way they did at one year old, that they do at 25. Am I right? How many know it's pretty obnoxious when you see someone who is about 15 years old acting like they're one years old? We would hope that we would mature in our communication to a point that we would be able to communicate properly and communicate in a way that someone can understand of it understand it. The point is, we need to reach a level of maturity to be able to communicate properly to God. Now, with my kids almost eight and nine, their communication has come a long way, but they're working, we're working with them on their next level of communication. Like I said, my son is very passionate about sports, but my son doesn't always communicate with his words. My daughter doesn't always communicate with her words. Now, they're at a stage in life where they, they use noises, they use emotions, and a lot of times they use stomping. I know something went wrong in my house when I hear this going up the stairs. Because that's their level of communication. That's their level, and we're trying to teach them. I understand you go through emotions. I understand all these things, but we tell them all the time, Charlie, use your words. London, use your words. 
What is it you're feeling? What is it you're going through? What is it that you're dealing with right now? See, I feel like a lot of us as Christians, we're at this stage of life. Using our emotions, using our feelings to try to communicate to God what it is that we're going through. But God is saying, I want you to use your words. I want you to open your mouth. That's why earlier I was having you say, come on, just begin to speak into your circumstance. Begin to use your words. They use their emotions. My kids use their emotions. But when we think about words, words are powerful. Words are powerful. I know there's that old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Whoever said that was an idiot. Because words have power. Words are so powerful. In fact, it's the very tool that God uses to create the entire universe. When we're looking in the book of Genesis, God spoke and he said, let there be. And whatever he spoke came into existence. He said, let there be light. And guess what happened? Light was created. The sun was created. Let there be darkness. Let there be birds in the sky. And here we are with birds all around us. Let there be fish in the sea. There was water. There was air. Anything he spoke came into existence. Words have such creative power that, they, that God even put it on the inside of us. He put that creative power in you and I as well. He wants us to be able to state our faith. He wants us to be able to state our faith, for some of you, this is just a new way of saying my confession of faith. Everybody say confession of faith. If you've grown up in church, maybe you grew up in a faith-filled church, this is just a new way of saying confession of faith. For some of us, we have no confession of faith. For some of us, our faith has lived up on a shelf in a journal for the last 20 years. For some of us, we've written it down. Bible says make the vision plain, write it down. But we've written it down, but for some of us, we have journals on the shelf that have been collecting dust. Sure, the pages may have God dreams on them, but because you never spoke it out, that's all they were. God dreams that never came into reality. It's still living on a shelf because we have never stated it out loud. We have never stepped into stating our faith. We've never used our words, but it's not legacy faith until you start stating your faith. How is someone going to know that we're living in legacy faith? It's when we walk up to a dead situation and say, in Jesus name, you will have life. Come on, we begin to speak out of our mouth. It's when we walk up to a thing that looks like it's not going to work out and we say, it's going to work out. It's going to work out. It's when we start stating things out of our mouth that don't seem to make sense or look different than what is currently happening around us. Now, I, I have to use this story because it's so powerful. Last week, the Holy Spirit was moving as uh, we were in Hamilton. And uh, I called up uh, during the worship transition. I had called up people that needed healing. And there was a lady that came up. She's been coming to the church for uh, a few months now. And she came up and I called people specifically that needed healing in their bodies. And I asked them to come and put their toes on uh, the edge of the stair of the altar. And so there was this one lady and I asked her, I said, what is it that I can come into agreement with you for? 
And she said, I have a tear in my rotator cuff. It was on her left, it was on her left arm. She said, I have a tear in my rotator cuff. So it was in that moment, I didn't think about the healing, but I began to confess and I began to speak in that moment healing. And it was her faith that stepped up. And in that moment, God healed her immediately. It was interesting. I know some of the, our team actually was there that, that Sunday morning. It was amazing what God was doing in that service. But it wasn't just thinking about healing. It was speaking the healing. It was stating the faith. And in that moment, I said, okay, I want you to do something that you haven't been able to do with this injury before. And so she begins to start shuffling it around. And I said, okay, do something, do something even greater. And so she begins to like move it some more. She begins to do the funky chicken wing. And I said, okay, keep moving it. And so I said, rotate it like this. And she hadn't been able to have this motion in her arm. And I said, keep rotating it. And then you could see the smile on her face because she realized that God did it. But it was because we didn't just think about it. We opened our mouth and we began to state what God was about to do. Because I began to pray because the Holy Spirit was moving in that circumstance and it was so interesting. Because a lot of people in that room had never seen anything happen like that in that moment. It was so interesting to see what happened in that moment where the faith level went to 10. Everybody say 10. Come on, you know the, the saying, you gotta turn the amp to 11. Come on, it went to the next level. But when we start stating things out of our mouth, it moves from faith to legacy faith because there's no other way than for God to do it. But thinking about your faith, like I said, isn't enough. We need to speak the language of faith. We need to begin to state our faith. It was in that moment, I didn't think about that healing. I began to state it out of my mouth that you will be healed in Jesus' name. See, the problem is, and I think in this culture, especially in this North American church culture, we've bought into this idea of just thinking good thoughts, of just thinking good thoughts. Well, my marriage is bad, but I think it's going to be okay. I think my finances are going to come together so that I can make a difference. I think I'm going to make it into the school. I think I might get into that job. See, the problem with this mindset is, the power of life and death are not in my thoughts. The Bible says that the power of life and death, and death is in the power of the what? The tongue. It's not in my thoughts. The power of life and death resides in the tongue. So if we're not speaking it, there is no power. Until you start speaking something out, there will always be some things that should be dead in our life that we are allowing to live because we haven't spoken them out yet. I'll give you for example with Pastor Rach, if you know that she's been battling uh, what they believe to be a tumor. That thing had never had a chance to live in her body. She's only been going through different things for a couple of months, but it was last year when they began to state that she had something in her body. And I said, I don't believe that confession. I'm thankful for the doctor, but I don't believe that confession because we don't live by that confession. We live by what the word of God says. The word of God says you're healed. The word of God says that you're well. The word of God says that you're whole. And so we began to speak that. We began to pray. There was people praying all over the world. And she recently just had her first checkup. 
And if you saw on her Instagram story, she recently just had her first checkup after three months. And the doctor, when we initially went in, said, you know, don't be expecting anything to happen in the first three months. They said, it's very unlikely that anything will happen in the first three months. Now, when they initially took the CAT scan, when they initially took the pictures of the thing inside of her body, it had veins coursing through it. It had different forms of life coursing through it. But can I tell you something? We didn't matter what the report said. It didn't matter what the picture said. We began to state what God was already doing and at work doing. And so as she got the report back, she starts reading it herself. She come on, she starts playing doctor. She's trying to figure out what all the medical terms mean before the doctor even calls her because she knows that God is doing something in her body. And so as they begin to, as she began to read, this tumor has already shrunk. In two months, this tumor has already shrunk four centimeters. When the doctors initially said that you don't expect anything to happen until 10 months or 12 months. And not only that, it not only has shrunk four centimeters, the veins that were coursing through it, the whole DNA of the tumor has changed. It went from this thing that had life coursing through it to something that is smooth that has no life coursing through it, which in my mind means that the thing is already dead. No life, it's already dead. It's already done. But it's until we spoke something out. Well, God, I just, I'm thinking in my head, oh God, if you just heal her. No, I had to speak it out. Come on. As a church, we got together. We had to speak it out. There will always be things that should be dead, but we're allowing them to live because we won't speak it out. But on the other side of it, there are things that have been dead for a very long time that we won't allow to come back to life because we won't speak it out. Your dead situation that you've been believing God for, your family to be restored, your family to be healed, your family to come back together. Come on, just begin to speak it out every morning when you get up. God, I thank you that my family is whole. God, I thank you that my marriage is restored. God, I thank you for what you are doing in my situation. Begin to speak life. Begin to state your faith. It's when we start stating. It's when we start speaking out loud, I am healed. I am whole. I am well. The tumor is dead. My mind is healthy. My marriage is healed. Come on, begin to speak it out. When you start saying out loud what you're believing for, it puts a demand on heaven and it establish, establishes a higher level of accountability with anyone who hears you say it. Let me say that again because I think you missed it. When you start saying things out loud, when you start stating your faith, and what you're believing for, it puts a demand on heaven. And it establishes a higher level of accountability with those around you who have heard you speak it out. Let's look at Genesis 3 for a moment. Because something crazy happens in this moment. We see the interaction with Eve and Satan. And Satan in this moment is in the form of a snake. Now Eve is just minding her own business. She's just out grocery shopping for the day, for the dinner, for the night. So she wanders into the center of the garden, in the garden that they live in. She wanders into the center of the garden, and in that moment, she sees the juiciest fruit. It probably looked just perfectly ripe hanging from the tree at the center. 
But she knows this is the tree that God says to not touch. Now the serpent comes and begins to say tricky things that make her and start to get her to doubt what God had said. Even Adam, at that moment, they eat the fruit. Long story short, they eat the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat. But what does Satan do in this whole story? What does he do? He takes the words of God and he begins to twist them and get them to doubt what he stated. He begins to twist the words of God. Matthew 4.11, the enemy knows scripture. It's very clear that the enemy knows the word of God. So in this moment, he begins to take the truth. He begins to take what is there and he begins to twist it. He knows that the power of life and death are what? In the tongue. And so what does he try to do? Because John 8.48 talks about how his native tongue is one of lies. And if he can't get you to doubt the father... If he can't convince you to doubt, if he can't convince you to lose hope, if he can't convince you to to live in fear, if he can't convince you to be ashamed or embarrassed, uh, embarrassed, he knows that you won't open your mouth and give life to that situation. See, the enemy wants you to think, that's crazy. Why would you even say that? Don't, Don't say that out loud. What if it doesn't happen? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be weird if you said that? What are people going to think? Can I point out that all the enemy can do is make suggestions? He has no power. But all he can do is make suggestions. Even when he was able to speak out loud in the form of a serpent, he was still only able to twist what the truth was. So that Eve would doubt what she already knew. Some of us today in this next season of living in legacy faith, you're going to be able to get some confidence to be able to state what it is, to be able to speak out loud, to be able to speak into that circumstance, to be able to speak to that thing that's been alive for too long to die, to be able to speak to that thing that has been dead for so long that you've been praying for to bring back life. When the lies try to come, you're going to speak truth. You're going to speak God's truth. You're going to speak God's desires. You're going to speak God's principles. You're going to speak God's plans. Knowing who your God is, if God said it, he will do it. Going on into Mark 10, verses 46 and 52. When Bart heard Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But what happens in that moment? The people began to yell at him, be quiet. So he shut up. No, 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 it doesn't say that. What what does it say? He only shouted louder. He only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus in this moment strolls into Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd begins to follow him. But sitting on the side of the road is this blind man named Bart. I'm sure he's heard about Jesus. I'm sure he's heard about his miracles. I'm sure he's heard that he has cast out demons. I'm sure he's heard that he's healed the lame. I'm sure he's heard that he's restored the sick. I'm especially sure he's heard that the blind have seen. But Bart in this moment had enough of being blind, so he starts calling Jesus' name. But not just calling his name, 
but yelling his name. There's passion behind his proclamation. There's passion behind what he is speaking out. But I want you to understand this. Bart in this moment cannot see. He cannot see in this circumstance. He's not sure if he's just yelling to get Jesus' attention. He's not even sure how close or how far away Jesus is. All he knows is that he wants to be heard by Jesus. He doesn't even know, and he doesn't even care. What is he doing? He's stating his faith. This is stating faith. This is what we're talking about. It's when you want God so badly that you're able and willing to call out for him no matter what it sounds like, no matter who hears you, no matter who's around, that we begin stating, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, walk into my marriage. Jesus, walk into my circumstance. Jesus, my finances are a mess. Help me, Jesus, help me. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, the Bible says we walk by what? Faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. Legacy Church is a church that walks by faith and not by sight. That means if you don't have the whole picture, it's a great opportunity for you to put your faith in action. If it's not looking like it's supposed to, start saying things that don't look like they currently are. Start stating things that don't look like they currently are. Well, God, I'm bankrupt. Start stating that you will be wealthy and that you will be able to bless everyone you come in contact with. Start stating that you will be able to leave something to your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. Come on, speak life, regardless of the circumstance. So with everything inside of him, Bart in this moment says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But in fact, he yells so loud that the people around him do what? Be quiet. You're too loud. What are you saying? It's time to be quiet. See, when we start stating stuff that doesn't line up with what everyone else sees, there will be people that'll try to get you to be quiet. That'll, there will be people that'll try to convince you otherwise. There will be people that'll try to convince you to doubt. There will be people that don't understand the principles of the kingdom of God. There will be people that don't understand that you're a king's kid and that you have rights and that you have authority. That's why you need to check your circle. Check your circle of friends. Now, I'm dating myself a little bit, but the, the, the phone company in the States, T-Mobile, they had a certain thing on their phones that you got to put people in your circle. And there were certain ways that you could communicate with them. Check who's in your circle. Because you need friends around you that won't doubt you, that won't tell you to shut up when you're saying something that doesn't line up with what they don't see. You need friends around you that will begin to pick you up, that will begin to lift you up, that will begin to lift their voice in prayer and agreement with you in what you're believing God for. Find godly, faith-filled friends that will build you up. But there will be times around you where there will be people that will try to discourage you. Can I tell you, there will be times and moments that you will discourage you. Well, I thought I would be married by now. I thought the love of my life would have already walked in the door and slid on one knee with that 10-carat ring. I thought 
I thought I would be a parent by now. I thought I would have three kids by now. I thought I would be in a financial position that is better than the one that looks very grave right now. The people around Bart can see. And here's what we got to recognize. They can see, which means they could actually help him get to Jesus if they wanted to. But instead, out of their own fear, instead, out of trying to shut him up, instead, and, and try to get him, trying to get him to be quiet, stop shouting your nonsense. Stop speaking your nonsense. Do we have friends like that? Come on, we all probably have one friend like that. We all probably have a circle of friends like that. What are you saying? You're crazy. You're nuts. Don't allow what others say and what you currently see to keep you from stating your faith. Don't allow what others see. Don't allow what others experience. Don't allow what others say to keep you from stating your faith. This is very real for, for me right now. Because God's challenged me at the beginning of the year. He said, I want you to begin to state and I want you to begin to believe that there will be 250 people at both locations. So I began to state it. Phone call after phone call. I think I'm going to find another church. I began to state it even more. I kept stating it. You've heard me say it. It seems crazy. It seems ridiculous. But how are we going to respond when it happens? Not only that, God challenged me. He said, I want you to believe for large donations this year. I said, okay. He said, no, 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 I don't think you're getting it. I want you to believe for large donations, so large, in fact, that they will take care of new positions at the church, like salaries. And I began stating it. And I'm going to keep stating it until it happens. But can I tell you something? Last month, we received a $10,000 donation. God said, that's just a start for what I want to do. But keep stating it. Keep speaking it because it's going to come. It's going to happen. And I said, well, okay, God, I'll hold on to those. He said, no. Begin speaking it from the stage. Begin speaking it from the platform. Because then when I come through, everyone will know it wasn't you. It wasn't the church. It was me. He said, so keep stating it. But God, I'm going to keep that to myself. And then I'll tell of the amazing miracle that you did. No, no, no. Speak it. Speak it. If we don't state it, people will never know when God comes through. So Bart, in this moment, he doesn't let fear, he doesn't let shame, he doesn't let what others think stop him from speaking, from stating. When they try to stop him, what does he do? He gets even louder. Jesus! Jesus! He knows that this situation looks impossible. But he, he can only get the attention of Jesus. This one moment could change everything. When is the last time that you got crazy enough to call God into a situation that looked impossible? When 
is the last time you opened your mouth and shouted, Jesus, Jesus, I need you. Help me. Jesus, where are you? Jesus, come to me. See, Jesus hears Bart and asks the people to bring the blind man to him. And even though the crowd surrounded him, Bart in this moment has Jesus' full attention. See, this should be an encouragement to us that no matter what is going on around us, no matter what is going on in our situation, when you call out to him, you have his full attention. When you open your mouth, when you begin to state, you have his full attention. Regardless of the chaos, regardless of the situation, regardless of what is going on, if you would just state your faith that you would get his full attention. Don't miss this moment because Bart is standing in front of Jesus. And in this moment, he can't see Jesus. But Jesus can see him. He knows what Bart wants. But what does he ask from him? He asks him to state it. He asks him to speak it. Going into Mark 10, reading from 51 and 52. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. I want to see. And so Jesus said to him, okay, go. For your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see. And then he followed Jesus down the road. For some of us, God knows what we already want. God knows what we already need, but he's asking you to state it. Not just write it in a journal. That's step one. That's A. Now begin to speak it out. Begin to speak it into the atmosphere. Begin to speak it into your home. Begin to speak it into your family. Begin to speak it into your life. How can he heal you? How can he redeem you? How can he set you free? Do you see your lifeless business thriving? The marriage you need him to mend. The child you want to be delivered in full health. The job that you've been looking for and believing for. The love that you desire. What is it that you need Jesus to do in your situation? In front of the entire crowd, Bart states what he wants, even though he can't see it. And I know this is where a lot of us can get hung up. Well, what if I say it and it doesn't happen? What if I say it and nothing happens? Or what if I say it and three years later, I've been saying it and I've been saying it and I've been saying it and nothing has still happened. What if I put my legacy faith out there on the limb and I end up looking stupid? My question to you today is what do you have to lose? Stop holding back your statements of faith in an attempt to protect God's reputation in case it doesn't happen. God has never needed anyone to defend him. He doesn't need you to defend him. If he says something, he's gonna do it. If he promises it, it won't return void. We all face difficult circumstances and it can be challenging to state our faith. It can be challenging to speak declarations of faith. When all we see around us are the facts and all we see around us is devastation, which can lead to worry and fear. 
If anything, that's what the last three years have, has done. All the state, all the things around us, all the facts of what the government said, all the things that we're supposed to do, all it did was lead to fear and devastation. And some of you, you gave in to the fear and devastation and you never even opened your mouth that this disease, this measly disease has no right in my house, has no right in my body, has no right in my situation. That what I'm walking through, I don't have to walk through because I'm a child of God. I'm a king's kid. But this is why we must have the word in us. When you put the word in, you're going to, and you're going to go through hard times and hard situations. The word should be the first thing that comes out of your mouth. Not what the news says. Not what your crazy aunt says on Facebook. I wish Facebook would filter out our crazy ants. They filter out everything else for their agenda. Why can't they filter out my crazy ant? But we believe that over the word of God because we get more of that than we get the word of God inside of us. See, when you squeeze an orange, what comes out of the orange? Orange juice. When you squeeze a Christian, in a hard situation, when you put them in a bind, what is the first thing that should come out of them? The Word of God. If you don't know your Word, then the Word isn't going to be the first thing that comes out. Can I tell you that a good scripture in a bad situation produces legacy faith? We want you to be prepared. We want you to understand. We want you to be able to get the word of God on the inside of you. We want to give you some faith-filled declarations. So in today's email, if you're a part of our email list, what we have done is we have put together two pages, four pages, if you're, if you don't mind the cost of paper, two pages, front and back. I call them stating faith scriptures. I would encourage you to put them somewhere, print them out and put them somewhere. If you don't have a printer, we'll make sure that we have some for you next week. But print them out. Here's some of them, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. So we've, we've got scriptures here on both sides. And then I've given you like a lexicon. Additional stating faith scriptures for when you're afraid. Psalm 34, 4, Matthew 10, 28, 2 Timothy 1, 7, Hebrews 13, 5, and 6. For when you're anxious, for when you're bitter, bitter or critical, for when you're defeated, for when you're depressed. For when disaster threatens, for when you're discouraged, for when you're doubting, for when you're facing a crisis, for when your faith fails, for when your friends fail, for when you're in trouble, for when you're lonely, for when you're needing God's protection. 
Come on, we have to get the word of God on the inside of us. When we're going through a situation, when we're going through something, this should be the first thing that comes out of our mouth. So I would encourage you to download that, to print that out, to put it somewhere. Like I said, if you don't have a printer, we'll make sure we get some to you next week. But I want you to have this so that you can put it around your house, so that you can put it in somewhere that you'll see it every day. So that you can speak the truth when the enemy tries to come with his lies. I would encourage you, don't just think it. Don't just wish it. Don't just write it down. Don't just journal it. Don't just mumble it or whisper, God, God, if it be your will. Oh, God, I just thank you for, thank you for a husband. God, I thank you for a wife. No, 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 begin to speak it. Speak it out loud. And when people say you're crazy, speak it louder. When people say, be quiet, you don't know what you're talking about. Begin to shout it louder. My God is a healer. He's a provider. He is everything I need. I don't care what the economy of the world says. My God is my provider. I don't care what the housing market said. My God will provide the house that I need. I don't care if my car needs 17 more parts. My God will provide everything that I need. Say it, yell it, shout it, begin to state your faith. Because if we get this as a church, if we get this as a body, I guarantee you your situations will start turning around. I guarantee you what you're walking through, those hard times, those troubles, as you begin to state it, as you begin to say it out loud, as you begin to speak it into the atmosphere. This isn't in my notes, but years ago, NASA recovered uh, uh, bits of audio. They recovered sound waves. And they thought for a moment that it came from some other galaxy, some other place. But when they traced it back, it was actually from Earth from like 60 years ago. Your words have power. And as you speak your words into the atmosphere, they will not return void. Come on, if a small sound bite from 60 years ago was floating around in space, what is your prayer gonna do? What is stating your faith gonna do? What is speaking into your situation gonna do? Come on, speaking into your situation will begin to even change the atmosphere in your home. If your kids are living in fear, God, I thank you that you don't give us a spirit of fear, but you give us one of life. Come on, we speak that over our kids every night. We speak healing over our kids every night. It's so interesting. I know a lot of believers, their kids are sick every week. But just begin stating over your kids. Begin speaking life over your kids. Begin speaking into your circumstances. That God will do what he said he was going to do. Can I pray for you today? God, we thank you. We thank you that you have challenged us over this last season to step into a greater faith, to step into legacy faith. Maybe we're at a level of baby faith. Maybe we're at a level of waiting faith. Maybe we're in waiting faith. Maybe we're in wavy faith. Maybe we're in lazy faith. 
Whatever it is, God, I would ask that you would take us to the next level of what you have called us to. That you would help step in in our lives into another level of faith. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online and you say, I don't know this Jesus that you're talking about. I don't have a relationship with him. Can I tell you something? When I gave my life to Jesus a long time ago, I don't even know how long it's been now, 20, 23 years ago. No, longer than that, 30, 34 years ago. When I gave my life to Christ, it was the greatest decision that I've ever made. It's not some fast pass to an easy life. But it will be the greatest decision that you'll ever make in your life. And if you're in here today and you say, I want to know this Jesus. I want to invite him into my life. I want to invite him in. See, what's so interesting is when, he, when you invite him in, he begins to transform you from the inside out. He begins to go into the deep places that you didn't know that you still had resentment, that you still had hurt, that you still had things that had been buried down there for years. And he begins to reveal those things to you. And he begins to transform you from the inside out. There's a whole lot of testimonies in this room of people that could have been in jail, people that could have been dead, people that could have been drug dealers that probably would have been dead. But they said yes to Jesus. They invited him into their heart. And because of that, have been radically changed, have been radically renewed, have been radically restored. And if that's you today, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're in this room, you say, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to start this journey of having Jesus come into my life. See, so often in church, I think we, we think as a church that saying yes to Jesus is the finish line, but saying yes to Jesus is just the starting line. It's just the beginning of what he can do. And if you invite him in, I, I guarantee you that your life will change. If you pursue him, as he reveals things in your heart of things that need to change. So if you're in here today, maybe you're watching online. If you want to say yes to Jesus in this moment, if you would just bow your heads. If you want to say yes to Jesus, just raise your hand. No one's looking around. If that's you today. Maybe you're in this place and you say, I've said yes to Jesus, but I've grown far from him. And today I want to recommit my life to him. I want to recommit my life to him. If that's you today, maybe raise your hand. You can just raise it real quickly if that's you. Thank you. We're going to pray together. Okay, can we pray together as a church? Is that okay? If you would repeat after me, God, thank you for sending Jesus to save me. Today, I repent of my sins. Thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. And thank you for redeeming me. Today, I give you my life. Change me. Renew me. Restore me. I am yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Come on, let's celebrate this morning for those who said yes to Jesus, for those who have come home. Come on. The Bible says that heaven is rejoicing when someone says yes. Come on, let's rejoice. One more time, church. Come on, you can do better than that. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.